Now our top topic is lust and pornography and those things that happen with touching one another before marriage. Lust, pornography, and touching one another before marriage. Let's see where the Bible describes how lust or evil desires outside of marriage with anyone else aside from your spouse, that that is in fact a sin and often it leads to other sins. The first example we have is in Genesis chapter 39. Genesis 39. We remember that Joseph was sold as a slave in Egypt. He became the slave of a master in Egypt. The name of his master was Potiphar, the captain of the bodyguard of Pharaoh. And he was serving the Lord faithfully there. In verse 6, Genesis 39, 6, it makes a comment. First, it talks about his faithfulness and diligence in his work and the blessing of God upon him. And then it says in verse 6, Now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. He was a handsome man in form and appearance. That is said to us because of what happens in the rest of the chapter. Verse 7. Let's see an example of evil desire or lust manifested. And it came about after these events that his master's wife, that is Potiphar's wife, looked with desire at Joseph. She looked with desire at Joseph and she said, lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, behold, with me here, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house and he has put all that he owns in my charge. There is no one greater in this house than I, and he has withheld nothing from me except you, because you are his wife. How then could I do this great evil and sin against God? It came about as she spoke to Joseph day after day. Notice she's a nag. Day after day that he did not listen to her to lie beside her or be with her. Now it happened one day that he went into the house to do his work and none of the men of the household was there inside. And she caught him by his garment saying, lie with me. And he left his garment in her hand and fled and went outside. When she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and had fled outside, she called to the men of her household and said to them, see, he has brought in a Hebrew, that is her husband, has brought in a Hebrew to us, to make sport of us. He came into me to lie with me, and I screamed. And it came about when he heard that I raised my voice and screamed that he left his garment beside me and fled and went outside. Well, in the consequence of this, the husband believes his wife, and Joseph is thrown into prison. Well, we see in this chapter that Joseph, as a young man, Joseph, as a young man, he is somewhere between the ages of 17 and 30. In Genesis 37, he was 17 years old. And by the time we get to Genesis chapter 41, when he becomes the second ruler of Egypt, he becomes that at age 30. So he had 13 years of affliction. Included in that affliction was a massive temptation. After all, he's a young man. A massive temptation from a woman who desires him and keeps saying, lie with me, lie with me, lie with me, day after day after day. And he says no. 
Her desires were evil. She wanted, with her lustful desires, wanted to commit adultery, but Joseph withheld. Joseph said no. And when she grabbed him, he left, he fled, even leaving his garment behind and becoming susceptible to mockery and misunderstanding, which that's what happened. He withstood this lustful desire. Another example is Job. Job chapter 31. Job 31 and verse 1. Job says, being a righteous man, a godly man, he says, I have made a covenant with my eyes. How then could I gaze at a virgin? Job, being a godly man, says, I have made a covenant with my eyes. He has made a vow with his eyes. He has determined that he's not going to use his eyes, which God gave him to see that which is good and beautiful and to use in the right way. He's not going to use his eyes to sin against God. So he makes a covenant and he says, how then could I gaze at a virgin? Job, we know, was a married man. And so he says, I'm not going to even gaze at a virgin. Someone who is untouched, I'm not going to gaze, I'm not going to lust after a young girl, an unmarried woman. I'm not going to gaze upon her. As well, 31 verse 9. 31 9, Job continues. If my heart has been enticed by a woman, or I have lurked at my neighbor's doorway, may my wife grind for another and let others kneel down over her. For that would be a lustful crime. Moreover, it would be an iniquity punishable by judges. For it would be fire that consumes to Abaddon and would uproot all my increase. Here Job is now speaking of a married woman. A married woman, and he says, if my heart has been enticed by a woman, he's speaking about internal evil desires, lustful desires inside him. If my heart has been enticed by a woman, or I have lurked at my neighbor's doorway, similar to David, looking over there on the other side to the roof and seeing a married woman bathing, and he wants her, and he calls for her to come, and he commits adultery with her. Here, Job says, I know that that is sin, that's wrong, and I don't want my heart to be that way. Because if my heart is that way, and I do commit adultery, then he says, may a curse come upon my wife, in verse 10, also, and it would be a lustful crime punishable by judges. The committing of adultery. And not only would the earthly judge punish him, but the heavenly judge in verse 12. It would be a fire that consumes to Abaddon and would uproot all my increase. Whatever good I had done would all be not, would all go to the wayside, would all be consumed in the fire of God's wrath in the place of destruction. Abaddon is the place of destruction in hell, he says. That's what I deserve if I carry out these lustful Desires. Proverbs chapter 6, still speaking of lust. Proverbs chapter 6 and verse 25. Proverbs 6, 25. Do not desire her beauty in your heart, nor let 
her catch you with her eyelids. Do not desire her beauty in your heart, nor let her catch you with her eyelids. We know that he is speaking in the first nine chapters prominently, predominantly about sin and sexual sin in chapters 1 to 9. He emphasizes it at certain points, especially in chapters 5, 7, and 9 of the book of Proverbs. He's also talking to young men, youths, in this book. And so he says, Do not desire her beauty in your heart, nor let her catch you with her eyelids. Don't desire her beauty. If you desire her beauty at the wrong time, outside of marriage, you are doing wrong. You are sinning against God. In fact, earlier, turn to Proverbs chapter 5. Proverbs chapter 5. Where should these strong desires be fulfilled? He explains in Proverbs chapter 5 and verse 15. Not with the eyes and in lustful thoughts, but in marriage. Proverbs 5.15. Drink water from your own cistern and fresh water from your own well. He's speaking of fulfillment and he's using this metaphor of drinking water that's in your own property. Don't go and steal somebody else's water. Drink your own water. We, we know he's going to t- be talking about marriage from what happens here. He says, verse 16, Should your springs be dispersed abroad? Streams of water in the streets? No, nobody does that. Let them be yours alone and not for strangers with you. Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth. As a loving hind and graceful doe, let her breast satisfy you at all times. Be exhilarated always with her love. For why should you, my son, be exhilarated with an adulteress and embrace the bosom of a foreigner? For the ways of a man are before the eyes of the Lord, and he watches all his paths. His own iniquities will capture the wicked, and he will be held with the cords of his sin. He will die for lack of instruction, and in the greatness of his folly, he will go astray. Drink your own water. Don't share your own water. And that, he means his wife. Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth. Rejoice in her. Be exhilarated always with her love at all times with her. And don't go and embrace the bosom of a foreigner, another woman. Don't go to an adulteress. Be with your own wife. This is where it should take place. Well, how does one go to another woman? It has to first start inside the man. To have evil desires, lustful thoughts for another woman. And sometimes it manifests itself in adultery. At other times, it will manifest itself in pornography. Looking upon another woman and desiring her beauty and carrying out the sinful, lustful desires that are within us because you feast your eyes on a woman who's not your wife. That's pornography. It's a sin. 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 14. Remember I said earlier that this chapter is primarily devoted to sensual sins or sexual sins. And he says in 2 Peter 2.14 that the people who are pretenders, pretenders in the church, these people 
are characterized as having eyes full of adultery and that never cease from sin. He says in 2 Peter 2.14, having eyes full of adultery and that never cease from sin. Their eyes are always here and there, scattered and wandering, looking to commit adultery. Now, someone may say, well, this is not so serious. After all, I'm not committing adultery. I'm not committing fornication. I'm not going about here or there with this or that person or woman. I'm not doing that. And it's just to myself. So if I keep it to myself, and the pornography is to myself, and all that is to myself, then it shouldn't be a problem. Well, let's see what Jesus says. Let's see what Jesus says in Matthew 5, 27. Matthew 5, 27. Our Lord Jesus says, 5, 27 to 30. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you, that everyone who looks on a woman to lust for her has committed adultery with her already in his heart. And if your right eye makes you stumble, tear it out and throw it from you. For it is better for you that one of the parts of your body perish than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand makes you stumble, cut it off and throw it from you. For it is better for you that one of the parts of your body perish than for your whole body to go into hell. What does Jesus mean here? He says, in quoting from the Ten Commandments, you shall not commit adultery. Yes, true, do not commit adultery. That is, when you are married, do not have relations with another. It should only be within marriage. And Jesus takes it to the implications How do we get to the point of adultery except that it is preceded with lesser sins? Yes, they are lesser in that they're not manifested in adultery, but they are nevertheless sins. And he says that preceding sin is this lust. He says, but I say to you, verse 28, that everyone who looks on a woman to lust for her has committed adultery with her already in his heart. Already in the heart, that sin of adultery is manifested. It hasn't been pampered yet in many cases, and, but yet it's still considered internal adultery, unseen adultery, heart adultery, mind adultery. It's adultery in that sense, according to Jesus. And he tells us how serious it is. We're not talking about the actual committing of adultery, We're talking about adultery of the heart. How serious. Verse 29. If your right eye makes you stumble, tear it out and throw it from you. For it is better for you that one of the parts of your body perish than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And the same with the hand. If our eyes and hands, if our physical bodies are causing us to sin, are we blaming our eyes? Are we blaming our hands? Are we blaming God? Well, God, you made me this way. So inevitably, I'm going to do as you made me. Is this what we do? No. In fact, Jesus says we have to rip out 
and expunge this sin in our life so much, so drastically, drastically in the eyes of the world and for our benefit, that it's like our right eye is torn out of us and our right hand is cut off and thrown away from us so that we never commit that same sin again. He doesn't mean do this literally, of course, because it's internal. But he does mean that we need to take drastic measures. We need to take harsh and severe measures so that we are prevented from sinning like that again, from doing that ever again. That's what we must do. And if that means throwing away the television, I have a shovel, I'll let you borrow my shovel, go to your backyard, dig a big hole, and put your television or computer screen in that big hole. If it means getting rid of your phone, getting rid of your smartphone, not so smartphone because it causes you to sin, then get rid of your smartphone. Get something else that won't cause you to sin. If it means you have to talk to your spouse, talk to your spouse. If it means you have to talk to your parents, talk to your parents. If it means you have to have other kinds of boundaries and parameters that you set up to prevent yourself from sinning, take those steps. Don't communicate alone with the opposite sex. Don't communicate alone uh, through email. Don't communicate alone in person with the opposite sex unless you have boundaries, parameters, others in the same room, others in the same building, whatever the circumstance is. Prevent yourself from falling into sin and from others committing that sin against you. Prevent it. This is why Jesus says, tear off your, your eye and cut off your hand. Because if we don't stop, we will be thrown into hell. Verses 29 and 30, he says so. It's better for that to happen, for you to take drastic measures than for your whole body, and he says in Matthew 10, 28, your whole body and soul, he implies that here, your whole person will be thrown into hell. So what do we want more? What do we want more? Do we want to please the Lord by repentance and, and forgiveness and faith in Christ and in, and in his death for our sins? Do we want to believe in that to escape hell, to escape the wrath of God and the punishment we deserve or continue in our sin? If we continue, then we are hell bound. No ifs, ands, or buts. Jesus made this absolutely clear. There's a related issue to this. A question arises quite frequently if I'm not married and I like someone or love someone, we are boyfriend, girlfriend, or we are engaged, can I touch and can I lust after her during that period? Can I lust and can I touch? And how much can I touch? Can we kiss? Can we hold hands? Can we hug? Can we this or that? How far can we go without going all the way? That's the question that everybody asks before marriage. According to this passage, what should we do? Do not touch. Because if your eyes can cause you to lust and you can be thrown into hell by lusting after someone who's not your wife, how much more when you touch her? When you touch her and you touch her, her body, the, the warmth, the softness, whatever, the texture of her body, do you think you're going to be able to stop 
If your eyes can't stop, what makes you think touching her will enable you to stop? No, absolutely not. If your eyes cannot stop you from sinning, do not touch her until you are married. Wait for your wedding day, and then, as we read in Proverbs chapter 5, and as we read in 1 Timothy 5, 14 and 15, have relations and have children and be happy and blessed throughout your whole married life. But wait for that time, not before. So do not touch and do not put yourself in dark and secret places with no one else around. Don't ever be alone with the opposite sex, especially in the dark. Don't ever do that. Because if you do that, this sin will occur. It will come to fruition. The adultery or the fornication, the premarital illicit relationship will happen before marriage. Do not let that happen. So, does the Bible address lust? Certainly. Does it tell us to avoid it at all costs? Certainly. So there is no room for lust, no room for pornography, no room for touching unless you are married. He who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says. Amen.